Section 19 of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 5, Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 19. The Burning of the Vanities, 1497, by George Eliot. From the end of the 14th century, the Medici, a powerful family of Italy, had ruled Florence and Tuscany. The most famous of the Medici was Lorenzo, surnamed the Magnificent. From 1478 to his death, in 1492, he governed Florence. He bore no title, but ruled entirely by his ability. He held enormous wealth was wise and kind and generous and was a munificent patron of the arts and sciences under his wise control the republic enjoyed many years of peace with him died the glory of italy in the last days of lorenzo the magnificent the city of florence was given up to shameless immorality the monk Navarnarella preached boldly against the sins of the day until his eloquence and earnestness won the hearts of the people lorenzo died the french made a fruitless invasion into italy lorenzo's son was driven into exile and for the moment florence became a republic no regular government had been formed and savonarola was the strongest power in the city whatever laws he proposed were made and rich and poor listened eagerly to his teachings religion was the absorbing interest of the day the streets echoed with the singing of hymns the children were as enthusiastic as their elders and in 1497, during the season of Carnival, just preceding Lent, they went about from house to house, begging people to destroy not only their immoral books, but also their handsome clothes and their jewels. The destruction of these was known as the burning of the vanities. All Florence had bowed down to the earnest preacher, but there was soon a reaction. Moreover, he had aroused the enmity of the Pope. He was tried with his bitterest enemies as judges was tortured and put to death the editor on the last day of the carnival between ten and eleven in the morning romola walked out according to promise towards the corso degli albizzi to fetch her cousin brigetta that they might both be ready to start from the via de bardi early in the afternoon and take their places at a window which tito had had reserved for them in the piazza della signora where there was to be a scene of so new and striking a sort that all of florentine eyes must desire to see it for the piagnoni were having their own way thoroughly about the mode of keeping the carnival in vain dolfo spina and his companions had struggled to get up the dear old masks and practical jokes well spiced with indecency such things were not to be in the city where christ had been declared king romola set out in that languid state of mind with which every one enters on a long day of sight-seeing purely for the sake of gratifying a child or some dear childish friend the day was certainly an epoch in carnival keeping but this phase of reform had not touched her enthusiasm and she did not know that it was an epoch in her own life when another lot would begin to be no longer secretly but visibly entwined with her own she chose to go through the great piazza that she might take a first survey of the unparalleled sight there while she was still alone 
entering it from the south she saw something monstrous and many-colored in the shape of a pyramid or rather like a huge fir tree sixty feet high with shelves on the branches widening and widening towards the base till they reached a circumference of eighty yards the piazza was full of life slight young figures in white garments with olive wreaths on their heads were moving to and fro about the base of the pyramidal tree carrying baskets full of bright-colored things and maturer forms some in the monastic frock some in the loose tunics and dark red caps of artists were helping and examining or else retreating to various points in the distance to survey the wondrous whole while a considerable group among whom romola recognized piero di cosimo standing on the marble steps of orgagna's loggia seemed to be keeping aloof in discontent and scorn approaching near she paused to look at the multifarious objects ranged in gradation from the base to the summit of the pyramid there were tapestries and brocades of immodest design pictures and sculptures held too lightly to incite to vice there were boards and tables for all sorts of games playing cards along with blocks for printing them dice and other apparatus for gambling there were worldly music books and musical instruments in all the pretty varieties of lute drum cymbal and trumpet there were masks and masquerading dresses used in the old carnival shows there were handsome copies of ovid boccaccio petrarca pulci and other books of a vain or impure sort there were all the implements of feminine vanity rouge pots false hair mirrors perfumes powders and transparent veils intended to provoke inquisitive glances lastly at the very summit there was the unflattering effigy of a probably mythical venetian merchant who was understood to have offered a heavy sum for this collection of marketable abominations and soaring above him in surpassing ugliness the symbolic figure of the old debauched carnival this was the preparation for a new sort of bonfire the burning of vanities hidden in the interior of the pyramid was the plentiful store of dry fuel and gunpowder and on this last day of the festival at evening the pile of vanities was to be set ablaze to the sound of trumpets and the ugly old carnival was to tumble into the flames amid the songs of reforming triumph this crowning act of the new festivities could hardly have been prepared but for a peculiar organization which had been started by savonarella two years before the mass of the florentine boyhood and youth was no longer left to its own genial promptings towards street mischief and crude dissoluteness under the training of fra domenico a sort of lieutenant to savonarella lads and striplings the hope of florence were to have none but pure words on their lips were to have a zeal for unseen good that should put to shame the lukewarmness of their elders and were to know no pleasures save of an angelic sort singing divine praises and walking in white robes it was for them that the ranges of seats had been raised high against the walls of the duomo and they had been used to hear savonarola appeal to them as the future glory of a city specially appointed to do the work of god these fresh-cheeked troops were the chief agents in the regenerated merriment of the new carnival which was a sort of sacred parody of the old had there been bonfires in the old time there was to be a bonfire now consuming impurity from off the earth had there been symbolic processions there were to be processions now but the symbols were to be white robes and red crosses and olive wreaths emblems of peace and innocent gladness 
and the banners and images held aloft were to tell the triumphs of goodness had there been dancing in a ring under the open sky of the piazza to the sound of choral voices chanting loose songs there was to be dancing in a ring now but dancing of monks and lady in fraternal love and divine joy and the music was to be the music of hymns as for the collection from the street passengers they were to be greater than ever not for gross and superfluous suppers but for the benefit of the hungry and needy and besides there was the collecting of the anathema or the vanities to be laid on the great pyramidal bonfire troops of young inquisitors went from house to house on this exciting business of asking that the anathema should be given up to them perhaps after the more avowed vanities had been surrendered madonna at the head of the household had still certain little reddened balls brought from the levant intended to produce in a sallow cheek a sudden bloom of the most ingenious falsity if so let her bring them down and cast them into the basket of doom or perhaps she had ringlets and coils of dead hair if so let her bring them to the street door not on her head but in her hands and publicly renounce the anathema which hid the respectable signs of age under a ghastly mockery of youth and in reward she would hear fresh young voices pronounce a blessing on her and her house the beardless inquisitors organized into little regiments doubtless took to their work very willingly to coerce people by shame or other spiritual pelting into the giving up of things that will probably vex them to part with is a form of piety to which the boyish mind is most readily converted and if some obstinately wicked man got enraged and threatened the whip or the cudgel this was also exciting savonarola himself evidently felt about the training of these boys the difficulty weighing on all minds with noble yearnings towards great ends yet with that imperfect perception of means which forces a resort to some supernatural constraining influence as the only sure hope the florentine youth had had very evil habits and foul tongues it seemed at first an unmixed blessing when they were got to shout vive gesu but savarel narola was forced at last to say from the pulpit there is a little too much shouting of vive gesu this constant utterance of sacred words brings them into contempt let me have no more of that shouting till the next fest nevertheless as the long stream of white-robed youthfulness with its little red crosses and olive wreaths had gone to the duomo at dawn this morning to receive the communion from the hands of savonarola it was a sight of beauty and doubtless many of these young souls were laying up memories of hope and awe that might save them from ever resting in a merely vulgar view of their work as men and citizens there is no kind of conscious obedience that is not in advance on lawlessness and these boys became the generation of men who fought greatly and endured greatly in the last struggle of their republic now in the intermediate hours between the early communion and dinner-time they were making their last perambulations to collect alms and vanities and this was why romola saw the slim white figures moving to and fro about the base of the great pyramid what do you think of this folly madonna romola said a brusque voice close to her ear your piagnoni will make l'inferno a pleasant prospect to us if they are to carry things their own way on earth it's enough to fetch a cudgel over the mountains to see painters like lorenzo de Credi and young bacci there helping to burn colour out of life in this fashion my good piero said romola looking up and smiling at the grim man 
even you must be glad to see some of these things burnt look at these gewgaws and wigs and rouge pots i have heard you talk as indignantly against those things as fra girolamo himself what then said piero turning round on her sharply i never said a woman should make a black patch of herself against the background va madonna antigone it's a shame for a woman with your hair and shoulders to run into such nonsense leave it to women who are not worth painting what the most holy virgin herself has always been dressed well that's the doctrine of the church talk of heresy indeed and i should like to know what the excellent messier bardo would have said to the burning of the divine poets by those frati who are no better an imitation of men than if they were onions with the bulbs uppermost look at that petrica sticking up beside a rouge pot do the idiots pretend that the heavenly laura was a painted harridan and boccaccio now do you mean to say madonna romola you are fit to be a model for a wise saint catherine of egypt do you mean to say you have never read the stories of the immortal messer giovanni it is true i have read them piero said romola some of them a great many times over when i was a little girl i used to get the book down when my father was asleep so that i could read to myself Eben, said piero in a fiercely challenging tone there are some things in them i do not want ever to forget said romola but you must confess piero that a great many of those stories are only about low deceit for the lowest ends men do not want books to make them think lightly of vice as if life were a vulgar joke and i cannot blame fra girolamo for teaching that we owe our time to something better yes yes it's very well to say so now you've read them said piero bitterly turning on his heel and walking away from her romola too walked on smiling at piero's innuendo with a sort of tenderness towards the old painter's anger because she knew that her father would have felt something like it End of section 19. This recording is in the public domain.